You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The Federal Open Market Committee of the U.S. Federal Reserve concluded its meeting yesterday. It was a two-day meeting, and it decided on interest rates in the United States of America. And as, of course, anticipated, interest rates were left unchanged. But what was the statement accompanying that result? With me is Russell Silverstone, who's an investment strategist at 91 in London. What did they say, Russell? Hi there, Lindsay. Yeah, it was an interesting meeting in that, as I say, interest rates were, were, were unchanged and expected to be unchanged for a little while. But they gave us a heads up that they're going to start reducing their bond purchases. They've been running at $120 billion a month for a considerable time now, basically post-COVID period. Yeah. Um, and their, their guidance on interest rates also suggested that rate hikes might be coming slightly sooner than we previously expected. Okay, so when they say slightly sooner, did they give give any indication? Because I noticed the the OECD, for example, said that the inflation scenario will be elevated for the next two years. Those are my words. But people are expecting inflation to stay higher. Uh, so maybe interest rates will go higher sooner rather than later. What did the Fed say? Any Any time frame there? Yeah, no, sure. So I think it's just worth firstly expanding how, how the Federal Reserve actually communicate this and, and what they do in practice. So so this is the infamous dot plot. And what they do as a committee is go around the, you know, however many members in there, say 18 people, and they say, right, you know, member X, what is your economic forecast? What is your inflation forecast? And given that, what is your interest rate forecast? And those interest rate forecasts um, are then communicated in, in the form of a, a distribution uh, of, of as, as the name suggested. And what we saw for um, back in June, they do this on a quarterly basis. Back in June, they were um, largely uh, unchanged for, for this year, but actually for 22, now they're split. So sort of half the members um, want rate hikes next year and, and half don't. And the so-called Doppler also shifted higher in 2023. And we had the first take of 2024. Um, so they are definitely more hawkish in the jargon. So they're, they're, they're more keen to raise interest rates. And you're right. I think part of that is uh, in, inflation concern. They didn't materially change their inflation forecast, to be honest. But I think they're much less confident about the sort of transitory nature. And if it isn't transitory, i.e. goes back to where it came from, they will hike interest rates sooner and faster than we all expect. Is there any chance that the Janet Yellen scenario might come to the fore? In other words, she had an op-ed piece, I think it was in the, the Wall Street Journal, and she said that if the debt ceiling isn't either abolished or the debt ceiling isn't raised, then there may be an economic catastrophe. And then, in other words, uh, borrowing costs will go up immediately. In other words, interest rates rising immediately in the United States. Is there any chance of that yeah. happening? The market doesn't seem to think so. No, I mean, so, so the US again is, is very quirky how it does this. So we're, we're, they actually have a physical limit on, on the amount of debt that can be uh, borrowed in the, in, in the US. Um, and so, you know, as an economy grows and as they borrow more, you, you on a very regular basis, uh, bump up into, in, into this, uh, into this limit. And so what typically happens, they, they, you know, the politicians have to, you know, increase it on a regular basis. And every single time this happens, they, they, they increase it. Um, and, and it is, a, you know, it's a nonsense in a modern economy, to be honest, but it, it is what it is. The trouble is, um, if the U.S. Treasury literally run out of money, 
um, how do they repay the debt that's outstanding? And that's the sort of scenario that Yellen, who's, who's clearly got a, an axe to grind here, is formulating, which is essentially a default of the US Treasury. I would say it is completely and utterly unthinkable. Um, I cannot see it happening under any scenario because it would be an utter disaster. Even though there's a politicisation of what's, uh, what you've just described, in other words, the uh, Republicans, the GOP versus the uh, Democrats, you don't think that that will happen. You don't think that the Republicans will use this to their advantage and say, look what's, look what's happened under the watch of, of Joe Biden. Uh, the United States is essentially bankrupt. You don't think that's going to happen? No, clearly, you know, it's in, it's incredibly divisive totally totally accept that but you know what they can actually do i mean they, they can touch it right um so 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 they can do all sorts of things which is actually they can um substitute one security for another they can sort of um they can say actually we're changing the maturity from you know today until tomorrow or from today until next week you know arguably that's the default but it's not really so i think there's several ways in which they will try and get around this but yeah no no doubt it's 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 probably more complicated than than we've seen for a little while, uh, and I don't pretend to, to to really understand the ins and outs of American politics. But mm. I think all sides would agree, you know, default is 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 just not, you know, is just not an issue. Uh, it's just, right. it's just not, not not something we should contemplate. Um, so I would be absolutely amazed, uh, and it would be obviously uh, incredibly. Um, incredibly volatile um, time in markets and for that reason it is an utter unnecessary own goal uh, which which is why i just don't think it will happen okay so what they'll do is they can even when there's a bit of a spat in in congress between uh, the, the republicans and the democrats uh, what they'll do is rearrange the deck chairs on the on the titanic the monetary and fiscal titanic that's what they'll do what is your opinion russell on inflation at the moment, because it's been above 5% for a while now. And in the United Kingdom, it's uh, rising as well. And I've already mentioned what the OECD has mentioned about inflation in, in the future. Is it, is it transitory, as Mr. Powell says? I mean, that's, I think that's very much our view. Um, and I think, you, you know, again, you've got to remember what measured inflation actually is you know it's the year-on-year change in a basket of, of, of goods and services mm. so sort of this time last year you know oil prices were negative and so the year-on-year change is absolutely enormous but for inflation to be you know the inflationary impact of that to be the same this time next year oil prices have got to move the same magnitude again so that's one thing. The, the, the second thing is it's con- you know inflation is concentrated in very a very narrow um, set of goods, um, things like used cars. But you know already they're falling. Um, third thing is you know there's no real sign of second round effects. I.e. you know wages are definitely picking up, but they're not you know they're 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 not out of line. And and lastly, inflation expectations uh, are, are pretty well anchored. And the, the final thing, Lindsay, on this is that uh, this central bank credibility at stake here. You know if if they begin to lose control of inflation expectations, that's their credibility shot. So they would have to tighten monetary policy very quickly indeed um so that's you know that's a real downside scenario for markets if that happens but as things stand you know because it's narrowly focused because of those big basics and you know we have lived in a disinflation world for a very long time i think the feeling here for now is 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 it's going to be transitory okay so it's transitory so steady as she goes when it comes to monetary policy uh, but on the other hand you do think that the bond buying program will start to taper over the next couple of months and probably in a gradual way next year is that what you're saying 
Oh, it's no, it's sorry. That's to be absolutely clear on that. That's going to start next month. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm in November. I beg your pardon. Um, and uh, will be finished by the end of next year. So they're going to go from 120 billion down down to zero by summer next year. And to put this into an international context, uh, the Bank of England are ending their QE program this year. The European Central Bank's big program runs out in March next year. Um, and it's not obvious what they're going to replace it with. So, you know, this I think this is also a global theme of that sort of monetary accommodation is, is definitely coming to an end um, over the next six months. But isn't that quite impactful, uh, potentially, between uh, November and next year, $120 billion goes to zero, and therefore the primary dealers in certain banks uh, internationally uh, suddenly don't get that money, and therefore they can't put that money into uh, risky assets, which is what they've been doing. Doesn't that... Doesn't that have some that have some implications for risky mm. asset classes? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, if, if, if we, we we look at the you know the 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 impulses, um, you know, i.e. I, the sort of you know the rate of change of this stuff, and 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 absolutely, uh, you know, typically with a bit of a lag, you would see that begin to impact on 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 sort of higher beta assets. Um, and it's not only that, you know, you've got exactly the same on fiscal policy as well. So the the rate of change of fiscal policy is also changing. So yeah, I, I think for that reason, certainly, you know, some of us here would be quite cautious, um, given 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 that's running off. But I would also say they're only doing that because actually we've made enough sort of cumulative gains post COVID such they're confident enough to do it. Um, so it's a it's a bit of an on on the one hand but on the other, but it definitely adds 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 caution to the outlook for sure. Russell, thanks so much for your analysis. That's Russell Silverstone, investment strategist at ninety one in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.